0: Thank you for listening to City Awakening Podcast. City Awakening is a gospel-centered church located in East Orlando that plants new churches, striving to be a multicultural, multi-generational church. For more information about City Awakening, follow us on social media or visit www.cityawakening.org. Uh, my name is Lewis. I'm lead teaching pastor here at City Awakening. Just want to say um, it's great to have you here worshiping with us this morning. Um, I wasn't intending on saying this, but it just, I mean, just kind of impressed on my heart as as uh, Kristen was was uh, sharing this morning. You know, I mean, all of this, like you know, our mission is to reach people and reach the world with the gospel. Um, w- you know, we want to give you. Um, some local opportunities to serve in our city, hence why we're doing city serve. Uh, why we're going to serve the school—it's a char- um, charter one school over here. So we want to give you an opportunity to do that. But we also want to give you an opportunity to stretch yourself to go, you know, to to a place like New York, where it's very diverse, and we have no idea where the gospel seeds were scattered from there. But also to go in other parts of the world. And um, like Kristen was saying, some of these other parts in the world that we want to go to are the most unreached places of the world. And and usually when um, when that takes place, uh, it, I mean, it's just known that where where the gospel is yet to expand, where, where, where we are yet to not expand, where we're yet to spread the gospel in, in these different nations and stuff, um, they are the most under-resourced, um, poorest countries um, in the world. All right, because what happens is, is when Christ um, is shared, you know, it transforms not only the person, not only saves us, redeems us, allows us to have a relationship with God, but it actually has effects just on our entire lives, societies, governments, systems, um, completely across the countries and spreads and. And that's our hope, you know, we want people to come to know Christ, but we also want the, uh, that relationship to completely transform people's lives, which therefore will transform entire systems uh, that are, in, you know, keeping people, um, you know, in poverty, um, hurting and all that. And so, you know, those become the effects of, of um, real life transformation, and you can be a part of that, all right? You can be a part of that. So um, that being said, uh, I, I, I need to jump into the message, otherwise, man, we're going to be here all day. And I know y'all want to watch the Super Bowl, some of you, No? All right, so how many, how many, any New England fans? We're just going to get it out of the way, okay, because I don't want any New England fans. Don't hide. All right, we got a couple. All right, Rams? All right, we got a lot. We got a lot. All right, has nothing to do with my sermon. I just wanted to find out. But today, we're basically starting a new series today, all right? We're starting a new series, and it's going to be on a, a book of the Bible called Galatians, all right? It's a New Testament part of the Bible, and it's called Galatians. And, it's, and here's kind of the, the theme of the series that we're doing. It's why is life with Jesus so freeing? All right, we're going to explore that. We're going to explore why life with Jesus is so freeing, why life with Jesus is so much greater than life without Jesus. And to start this series off, we're, we're going to start off by talking about how there's a lot of messages in society, you know, a lot of messages in society that, that are appealing to our souls. See, our souls are kind of in this, I mean, this happens to everybody across the world. Right? Our souls are like in this constant pursuit for joy. Constantly pursuing joy. And there's various different messages out there that promise to bring us that joy. Various different messages that that are appealing to our souls. Here's the appeal. It's that if you can just have that one thing, whatever that one thing is for you, if you can just have that one thing, that one thing that's missing in your life, it'll bring joy to your soul. It'll, It'll bring joy to your soul. And so we go after those one things, you know, like I said, whatever it is for you, that one thing is gonna, you know, it might be the same as the person sitting next to you or, or it might be different, you know. Usually it's different, but, but it kind of has a different face on it. So for example, uh, some people, their one thing might be like, you know, if, if I can just grab a bottle, you know, if I can get the bottle, if I could just down the bottle, if I could just, you know, um, get high off of some drugs, if I can maybe just have some, some more sex, then, 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 you know, it'll bring my soul joy. Or, or if I could just meet that special somebody, and get married. Or if I can just, you know, get married, um, have kids, be able to have a family. Or, or if I could just make some more money or, or buy that new product. Whatever that new product is, man, you know, fall for the infomercial, you know, maybe, maybe you know, start P90X-ing x get T 25 and a drop, drop a few pounds because it's going it's to make me feel better about myself. I mean, I, I could do this all day, right? go on and on and on regarding the various different one things that we chase after in life that we think will bring our souls joy. And it never does. None of it ever brings our souls the joy we're hoping it'll bring us. Now listen, some of it will, will bring us joy in the moment, like it will. I mean, some of the things we chase after, they'll, they'll, they'll bring us joy in the moment, but it's just for a moment. Because eventually, the buzz goes away. Eventually, the high goes down, right? Eventually, the, the sex is over. Eventually, the, the marriage and the family has problems. Eventually, the money either runs out or you find yourself wanting more because you're never satisfied with how much money you have. Eventually, the newness of whatever it is that, that, that you bought is going gonna, is gonna to wear off. And then what will happen? You'll find yourself in that pursuit of joy again. You, know, you, you, you grabbed that one thing that you thought will bring you joy, only to find out it didn't bring you the joy that you thought it would. And it didn't last. And what's at the end of that tunnel? You want to know what's at the end of that tunnel? After you grabbed it and realized, man, it didn't give me what I want, it didn't bring me the joy I thought? It's another appealing message. Right? It's another, another appealing message that will overpromise. But under-deliver in the joy it promises to bring you. But we get duped over and over again. We get duped into thinking that we can find our joy in something else other than God, other than Jesus. And this is what we're going to talk about today. All right, Today we're going to talk about how there's so many messages out there that are just appealing to our souls. And we think that we can find our joy, eternal joy, eternal freedom apart from Christ. All right, so we're going to talk about that today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them over to um, Galatians chapter 1. All right, we'll be in Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 uh, to 10 today. We'll also have the words on on the screen for you. Um, Title today's message is, um, Jesus frees us. Now, Jesus frees us. And here's the big idea of the message. There are, are plenty of messages out there that are appealing to your soul, but only the message of Jesus can eternally free your soul. All right, that's the big idea of the message. There's plenty of messages that are appealing to your soul, but only the message of Jesus can eternally free your soul. And you're going to see that in today's text. I'm going to give you um, actually context as we go today because uh, I think the text just gives us some context. So we're just going to, we're going to jump right into it and, and we'll get our context there as we go right here in the first few verses. All right? Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 to 10 states this, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. All right, so here we're getting a little bit of context. What we're getting is the author of this letter, and we're also getting the recipients. The author is Paul. The recipients are the churches of Galatia. So not just one church here. Most of Paul's letters tend to be be, um, directed towards a single church. This is multiple churches, all the churches of Galatia. And at the time that he's writing this, it's about uh, 48 AD roughly, and and so um, this is shortly after Jesus has um, lived, died, and and rose again. And Paul has been a Christian now for about 15 years at the time that he's writing this letter. And his story is such a powerful testimony to just how life-changing, how eternally freeing the message of Jesus can really be for our lives. Now you're going to hear a lot more about Paul's story next week, but, but just to give you a little insight about Paul, Paul uh, was a guy who had a deep hatred for Christians. Now I'm not talking about deep hatred for Christians, I'm talking about that he made it his life, his life goal to see Christians out and to kill them. In fact, we know historically he's responsible for um, killing the first Christian martyr in history, a guy by the name of Stephen. He killed Stephen simply because he believed in Jesus, simply because he was a Christian who followed Jesus. But all of that changed for Paul. His entire life changed when he meets Jesus. See, he's on, the, on, a, on a road to Damascus and he's traveling to, to try and seek more Christians out, to, to persecute them and, and to kill them. But then Jesus appears to him post-resurrection, meaning after Jesus has already died, been crucified, you know, been buried. So Jesus appears to him on the road to Damascus. He, you know, Jesus rises from the dead, appears to him on the road to Damascus as he's going off to, to persecute some more Christians and, and Paul's like, "Ruh row, you know? Uh-oh. He, it's true. Like I, he's risen from the dead, which means that it's all true. And I've been working against Jesus. But I'm convinced now I mean, he's risen from the dead, said he was going to rise from the dead, now he's risen from the dead, convinced now that Jesus is actually God. And so I'm going with Jesus, I'm going with the one who, who rose from the dead. And from that point on in history, we know this, we see this happen historically, right? From that point on in history, Paul goes from, from being a persecutor and murderer of Christians to actually being a Christian and to eventually being executed. For being a Christian, being executed for having his faith and trust in Jesus, for not denouncing his faith. And it's such a powerful um, testimony to just how life-changing, how eternally freeing the message of Jesus Christ can really be for our souls. And this is the story of Paul. This is what You'll, you'll learn more about him next week, but notice that it says that he's a, an apostle. Right, he, Paul's an apostle, and, and in Greek, the word apostle means uh, one who is sent. And so when we're talking about apostle here in this particular te- text, we're talking about a small group, very small group of people, small group of Christian leaders who, who Jesus has personally selected and sent out to, to be able to help lead the church in all matters of the Christian faith and all matters of the teachings of Jesus. That's why Paul says that, that I've been Sent by Jesus. I haven't been sent by a man. I've been sent by Jesus. Now, he's reminding the Galatians of his apostolic authority not to, not to brag, not to you know, look at me. Look, man, I'm the one who's been selected. Not to do that. Not, not out of pride. He, he's doing that because he wants them to, to know that the message that he is bringing them is truly the message of Jesus Christ. Because what's happening is, is, is the Galatians are, are doing what, what we sometimes tend to do as well. They're starting to follow some of these these other messages that are appealing to their souls. And and Paul's saying, listen, man, just remember, like, I'm an an apostle, man. Jesus has selected and sent me to, to deliver the message that he's passed on to us. He said, here it is. Here's the gospel message. Listen, there's plenty of messages that are going to be appealing to your soul. But only the message of Jesus can eternally free your soul. And Paul's trying to get the Galatians to remember that pointing out his apostolic authority that he was one who was selected and sent by Jesus to deliver the message of Jesus. The text continues verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now right, here's what I want you to know about this part, okay? So this is different than, than a lot of Paul's other letters that he writes in, in the Bible. Usually, you know, his, his letters begin with a greeting like some what's happening here, but his letters are a lot more, you know, kind of warm in their greeting. They usually include a, a, a thankful prayer, like a prayer of thanksgiving in it as well. But, but Paul's not doing that here. He doesn't start his letter off like that. Instead, he, he really gets right to the point. He keeps it very brief, gets right to the point, which tells us something is up with Paul. Something's up with him. All right, to give you an idea of what this is like, because you know, I, I really want you to get into the mood that Paul's in when he's, when he's writing this letter. And so, so to help you do that, um, I'll give you kind of just a little example of what's happening here and the way that he's starting his letter off to the Galatians. Okay? So it'd be kind of like this. Right? You know, every, every speaker, kind of preacher, right? they, they have a pattern that they follow when they speak. Right? So you know, myself pastor, preaching. you know, I've got a certain pattern of, of how I deliver a message when I come up here. Okay, so for example, here's, here's my pattern as a, as a speaker and as a preacher, right? Uh, some of y'all may have already, you know, just kind of gotten used to it and recognized it, right? It's it's uh, Let me welcome you to our church. Let me give you a little um, series intro, let you know kind of the series that, that we're doing. And then I try to do what I call a bridge builder, which is basically, you know, start things off in a way that, you know, both a Christian and a non-Christian um, can, can connect with. You know, we love those of you who aren't Christians. We want you to be able to, to connect with what we're saying in here as well. And so if you notice in the beginning, it was about, you know, our souls kind of, you know, um, pursuing after different things that we think will find joy, but none of it ever seems to give us that lasting joy, right? That's something Christians, non-Christians can connect with, and then I and then I wrap the intro up by giving you my thesis statement, my what, big idea, right? Some of y'all are like, yeah, I got some, right? Big idea, all right. I do all this intentionally. Maybe one day I'll, sh- I'll explain all to you why. But but say I walked in here and completely deviated from that pattern today. Like say if I say I started the message like this, I walked in here today and I was like, all right, listen. We're going to skip all the pleasantries today because we got some stuff we need to talk about. You're going to know something's up with me, right? You're going to be like, yo, that's different. Like, he deviated from the right. All right, let's get drastic in here, right? Let's say that I stepped in here and I tried to be like our executive pastor, Zach, right? Let's say I walked in, skinny jeans, you know, really nice, clean, tight part of my hair with an Alabama accent, right? Hey, y'all, you know, we're going to skip the pleasantries today. Why? All right, it ain't good, it ain't a good accident. Uh, it's not, it's not a good Alabama act. Can we just admit, all right, it's not, I'm from Jersey, I can't do it. Sorry, Zach, all right? It's best I can do, okay, I can't do it. But imagine I did that, all right? I mean, you, you get my point, right? You'd be like, what's he doing? Like, that ain't Louie, like, what, what's he doing? Why is he deviating from, from who he is? Why is he deviating away from his normal pattern?" you'd know something is up with me and this is what's happening with this letter that Paul is writing to the Galatians. He's deviating from his normal pattern of writing because he's highly concerned for the Galatians. That's the mood of this letter right now. He loves the Galatians. He has a deep concern for them. What's the concern? Why is Paul so concerned? He's concerned because the Galatians are starting to follow a message that isn't the message of Jesus. They're following another message that has been appealing to their souls. And so notice how Paul starts. He starts with the gospel. Right in verse 4. He starts in verse 4 by saying that Jesus gave himself up for our sins. That's the gospel message. Like, if you ever walk in here and you hear us talking about the gospel or saying, you know, the gospel of Jesus, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about how Jesus gave himself up for us. He gave himself up for our sins. He died for our sins. We're talking about how Jesus, you heard Brittany saying it earlier in the the worship, Jesus lived the perfect life that we haven't lived, and then he died the death that we deserve to die for our sins. He substituted himself for us on the cross. He substituted himself on the cross, paying the full price that we deserve to pay. He he paid our penalty in full for sin on the cross. And when we talk about substitution, what we're talking about is how Jesus basically took us off of the cross and put himself in our place instead. He took us um, in our sinful, um, imperfect lives, and he put his sinless, perfect life on the cross. He replaced us on the cross. Simply put, he stood in our place. Jesus stood in our place. He gave himself up for us. Like Paul said, that is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. It's the very message that changed Paul's life and that Jesus hand-selected and sent him out to deliver, including to the Galatians. It's Jesus gave himself up for us. Why? Because Jesus loves us. He cares for us. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to give us eternal life and eternal joy. He wants to eternally free our souls. He don't want to give us some you know, cheap imitation, short-lived joy. He wants to give us eternal life, eternal joy in him, eternal freedom in him. And Paul starts this letter off the way he does because he's highly concerned that the Galatians have turned to another gospel message. That's powerless to save there's plenty of messages that are going to be appealing to your soul. But only the message of Jesus can eternally free your soul. Paul is pleading with the Galatians to remember the good news of the gospel that Jesus gave. Verse 6, I am, an, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him. Notice that it says not deserting it, but deserting him, meaning deserting Jesus. See, the gospel isn't about an it, it's about a him, it's about Jesus. It's about having a relationship with Jesus. And so this means that if you reject the gospel message, you're not just rejecting a message. You're rejecting Jesus. You're rejecting a relationship with Jesus. This means when when we desert the gospel message, you know, for something else that's appealing to our souls, we're not just deserting a message. We are deserting Jesus. We're deserting our relationship with Jesus. It's because the gospel message is about a relationship with Jesus. Paul says that the Galatians aren't deserting it. They're deserting him. They're deserting Jesus by chasing after these other things that are appealing to their souls. Again, verse six. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are returning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And so what Paul's saying here is is that there's only one gospel, he says. There's no other gospel message. The only there's only one gospel message that saves, and it's the gospel message of Jesus Christ. He says, but there's some who will trouble you, some who will try to convince you otherwise. In this case, it's a group of people called the Judaizers. Now, the Judaizers are basically coming to the Galatians, and they're saying, Hey, you know, um, yeah, we you know we we know the message of Jesus. We've heard the message of Jesus. You know the message of Jesus, but there's something missing in your life. And what you guys need is you need to start following the Jewish laws as well. And so Paul steps in and he says, no, no, wait, that is a distortion of the gospel. The Greek word can translate for distortion. The Greek word can translate as perversion. So he says, you're... You're distorting the gospel. You're perverting the gospel because you are adding something to the message of Jesus that Jesus never said to add. You are adding another requirement to having a relationship with Jesus and having your soul saved and enter into heaven that Jesus never required you to have. It is a distortion of the message of Jesus. It's a perversion of it. And the Galatians are falling for it. And so Jesus... Or Paul is trying to remind them of the true gospel of Jesus. Verse 8: But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again: if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. That's a real seeker-oriented message, huh? He's using some tough language here. Is he not? I mean, he's using some very strong language here. It's because he's taken this serious. As he should. Why? Because the gospel message is dealing with people's souls. And so Paul has taken that very serious. In fact, he takes it so serious that notice that he says, even if I, as an apostle were to distort this message that Jesus has given, then let me be accursed. Let me be. Okay, so two quick things on that. There's no pastor or preacher who is outside of accountability. Okay? You all should hold me accountable to preaching God's word, and if I ever distort from this gospel message, then you need to lovingly approach me and, and correct me, and if need be, remove me. Remove me. The gospel message should be taken that seriously to where nobody's above reproach in the preaching of that until withholding what Jesus passed down through the apostles. The second thing is, is, is we should know and that, that the, the gospel message that, that Paul has given to us in the letter of Galatians is the true gospel message of Jesus because if it's not, then he just condemned himself by his own words. Right, he says, if even if I do it, then then I'm a curse. Well, so if it's not the true message of Jesus that we have here in Galatians, then he just condemned himself. But the reason why he can come and he could say, "Hey, let me be accursed as well, even if I deviate from this," is because he's not afraid to say that claim because he knows the message that he's passing on to them is the true message of Jesus Christ. We can trust the gospel that is being passed down to us through the apostles and in the letter to the Galatians. Verse 10, the text continues. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Listen, it'd be much easier for Paul to be a people pleaser, would it not? I mean, it'd be so much easier for Paul to to people please the Galatians, you know, for him to you know, just affirm their false beliefs for him to do what you know. Sometimes we do, uh, you know, we're like you know, oh, doesn't doesn't matter, you know, what you believe, you know, as long, as long as it makes you happy, as long as as it makes you feel good, then all's good, all's good. It's very easy for us to do that. It's very easy for for Paul to people please. That would be the easier route for him. You know, I've, I've been a pastor now for about. Um, 10 years, I, I think I'm going on my 11th or 12th year. I don't know, just all, you know, what 12, I think 12th year right now. And I can tell you that one of the hardest things for me to see as a pastor and one of the most painful things that I experience as a pastor, things that this has caused me to sometimes want to walk away and not be a pastor anymore. It's when you love your church. I don't know all your names. I don't know all your stories, but I do love you. I'm not doing this out of hatred. I'm doing this because I love you. And one of the hardest things for me to experience as a pastor is, is, is pouring myself out for people. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, you get in love from them. You know, they're loving you and stuff like that. And, and you even become friends with people, you know. You start to build closer relationships. But then the moment that you teach something that is conflictual with their beliefs, they're out. It's peace. I'm gone. Very hard as a pastor. Multiple times almost caused me to leave the ministry, because of the woundedness that we experience in that happening. Simply because we're teaching something that Jesus might have taught and it conflict with our current worldview that we have and we're out. It is so much easier for me as a pastor for Paul to stand up and just simply people please. But Paul says, I'm not after that. I'm not trying to to please people. He says, I want to please Jesus. I want to please jesus hence he is delivering us the true gospel message of jesus just as he received it from jesus he's not trying to please people in this message he wants to please again we can trust the gospel message that he's given because the easier route would have been for him to say it's all right god it's all right you're all good like you know as long as it's making you feel good man guys go do it but he doesn't do that and so here we are here we are city waking 2019 2019, and just like the Galatians had messages that were appealing to their souls, hey, listen, you and I, we've got messages that are appealing to our souls too. And if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves being duped. All right, we will find ourselves being duped into thinking that man, if I could just have that one thing, or, or if I could just, you know, uh, have uh, uh, that one message that's appealing to my soul, whatever it is, then it'll bring my life eternal joy. We can even get duped into thinking that man, if I just believe in in this one particular message that society's teaching me, then then it's going to save my soul and allow me to get into heaven. When it won't, it won't do that. None of it will. In fact, I want to give you um, two two common beliefs that I think we've come to accept in Orlando, in our, in our Orlando culture, our Orlando context, okay? I think it's just two, two common beliefs that we think, you know, man, if I, if I believe these messages, these two messages, one or two, or maybe both of these messages, then it's going to, you know, eternally save me, give me, give me favor with God, and, and even allow me to get into heaven, okay? Some of you sitting here today, you might actually have come to believe in these messages, if you have man, it's okay. This is, let this be an opportunity for you to wake up to, to, to these messages and to say, you know, actually, I can see that that message isn't true. And so I'm going to reject that for my life. And then accept the true gospel message of Jesus. Okay, here. This two. Number, here's the first one, okay? If you're a good person and do good things, you'll get to go to heaven. It's a very popular belief here in Orlando. Very widely accepted. Man, if I'm a good person and I'm, you know, I do good deeds, then then I'll be able to get to go to heaven. But that message is powerless to save your soul and to get you into heaven. And here's why. Jesus says in in Mark chapter 10, verse 18, nobody is good but God alone. He doesn't say some people are good. He says, nobody's good but God alone. And he's right. Jesus is always right. He's always right in everything he says. I mean, think about this for a second, right? I mean, this mindset, you know, if, uh, well, if I'm a good person, do good and I get to go to heaven. Okay, well, so in order to be considered a good person, that means you have to be able to do good 100% of the time. 100% of the time you have to do good. Because the moment that you sin one time, if you sin just one time, you can't claim that title good anymore. Because if you are truly a good person, then good should have been always flowing out from you. But you and I both know it doesn't, Right? You know, listen, all I got to do is ask the people that you're living with, right? Y'all chuckle, but we know it. All I got to do is ask your spouse, ask your, your kids, ask your parents, ask your siblings, ask your roommate, and they'll point out to you, no, no, hey, listen, you, bro, you ain't perfect. Okay, you, you've sinned, and so have I. We've all sinned because Jesus is right. Nobody's good but God alone. And since that's the case, then it means nobody's getting into heaven based upon being a good person and doing good deeds. That message is powerless to save your soul and get you to heaven. Man, receive that today if that's something that you have bought into. You're not getting into heaven based on that because everybody's sinned. Number two, you need to do a bunch of religious activity. This is another very popular belief here in Orlando even a popular belief in a lot of churches. You know, the belief is that, I mean, if I, if I do a bunch of religious activity, you know, I mean, if, if, if I'm spiritual enough, whatever, whatever in the world that means, you know, you know I'm, I'm just a spiritual person. I have no idea what that even means. You're just a spiritual person, okay? So, but if, if you're a religious person, you know, you do a bunch of religious activity, if you're spiritual enough, then maybe you'll have some favor with God and God will, will save you and that you'll be able to get to heaven. This is the message of the Judaizers in the text. It's the very message of every single religion in the world. It's the message that your religious activities will save you and get you into heaven. Judaism is follow the, the Torah, follow the Jewish law. Buddhism, follow the Eightfold Path. Islam, follow the five pillars of truth. And I could break down every single religion in the world, and they will all say those things. You have to do something, do some religious, act, it's your religious activities that will save you. Christianity is the only faith in the world that says, no, no, it's not about your own religious activities. It's about the activities of Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross. That saves you. He gave himself up for you. But even as Christians, we can come into this place and we can, this is big in Orlando. I might go over a little bit. I don't know if we need to adapt, but listen. We can come into this place and think, man, if only I'd check off my religious activities, my religious boxes. You know, go to church, read my Bible, pray, serve, do a bunch of religious activities, then that's what makes me a Christian. That's what makes me have a relationship with Jesus. That does not make you a Christian. Paul says it's faith in Jesus, right? That Jesus gave himself up for us. Your religious activities do not save you. They do not make you a Christian. They do not give you favor with God. That's why we get all upset, we beat our chest, and we're like, man, you know, how, come, how come these... You know, I've been doing everything right in my life and yet it seems like everything's going wrong. Like, what's up with that? Man, if that is your mentality and if that's what you think a relationship with Jesus is about, you're gonna jump ship the very moment that you don't get what you want. The very moment that things don't, don't go the way you want. But we think our religious activities will, will save us. And that message is powerless to save your soul, to get you to heaven, or to give you any kind of favor with God. Here's why. Because what you're basically saying in that belief is that you have the power to manipulate God with your religious activities. Do you really think that? I mean, we're talking about the creator of the six sextillion planets that exist in the known universe. And your religious activity is going to manipulate God to to give you some favor? To save and... Listen, God cannot be manipulated by our puny little tiny human hands. He can't. And not only that, but just like we have all sinned at some point in our life, we have all failed to live out our religious activities as well. Everybody in this room, myself included, have all failed to live out our religious activities, which means if we go by that belief, nobody's getting into heaven either. Very appealing messages, both these are. But none of them are powerful enough to save us. Okay, so look, here's my point. Here's Paul's point. You cannot add to the message of Jesus. You can't can't add to it. Paul says that this is the gospel message. Jesus gave himself up for us. He is, Jesus is the good person who did the good work and the good activity that can save our souls. We're saved by him and by his good works, not by us and by our good works. Simply put, here's what it is. Jesus plus something else equals nothing. All right, simplest way I can put it. Jesus plus something else equals nothing. Jesus plus, you know, the message of the Judaizers, you know, let me, let me do a bunch of Jewish law equals nothing. Jesus plus trying to be a good person and doing good deeds equals nothing. Jesus plus doing a bunch of religious activities equals nothing. Paul is saying, why in the world would we want to enslave ourselves to such messages when we get to enjoy eternal freedom in Jesus? Why would we want to enslave ourselves to messages that are filled with empty promises that can never give us eternally anything when we can enjoy a relationship with Jesus who can give us eternally everything? You see how liberating and freeing the gospel message is? As Christians, we work from that salvation. We don't work for that salvation. Jesus plus something else equals nothing, but Jesus plus nothing else equals everything. And this is Paul's message. And so look, let's get to the big idea, all right? Here's the big idea. There are plenty of messages that are appealing to your soul, but only the message of Jesus can eternally free your soul. It's only the message of Jesus that can eternally free your your soul. Yet too often we think we can find our, our joy in other things rather than in Jesus. And if you're here today and maybe, you know, um, you've rejected Jesus in the past or maybe, you know, you, you might have deserted your relationship with Jesus re- recently, you know, pursuing after other messages that are appealing to your souls, you know, re- taking your eyes off of Jesus. If that's you, man, just Listen. Listen to the words of Paul. Listen to the Apostle Paul saying to you, there's no other gospel message that can save you. Listen to the Apostle Paul saying to you, believe in the good news of the gospel, which is that Jesus Christ gave himself up for you and for your sins. We have to start there. city awakening in this series. We're starting this series off in the same way that Paul started his letter off, which is a focus on a relationship with Jesus first and foremost. It starts with, with us at the foot of the cross. And then from that relationship will flow many freedoms and many joys that come from Jesus. Many freedoms and joys that we'll soon discover as we continue our study of Galatians. Okay? It's got to start there though. Alright, at this time let's go ahead and have those who are going to be um, serving communion come on up. You know, communion... Now, you can start passing the plates as well. Communion is a reminder of the freedom, the eternal freedom we have in Jesus. You know, all these other things, man, they'll never give us the eternal freedom, eternal salvation for our souls, eternal joy for our souls. You know, a lot of us were pursuing after, you know, one thing or so many other things, but our souls are crying out to us and saying, that one thing is Jesus. It's Jesus. Communion is a reminder that he is the one that can eternally save our souls, eternally free our souls, and give us eternal life and joy in him. And so as the plates are, the plates are being passed, you know, let, let those of you who are non-Christians do this. Look, I, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of who he is and what he came to do for us on the cross. He gave himself up for us. So as the plates are being passed, for those of you who, who aren't Christians, man, use this time. We're going we're to just take a, a minute or two to use this time to, to repent of your sins in the sense of repent for rejecting Jesus. If you're not a Christian, repent for rejecting Jesus. Believe the gospel that Jesus Christ gave himself up for your sins. Receive that and then share it with somebody. Maybe you you believed in one of these false gospels. Being a good person makes you a Christian. Doing good deeds makes you a Christian. Whatever it is. Repent of rejecting Jesus, believing in a false gospel, and receive the true gospel today. And have eternal relationship with Jesus. For those of you who are Christians, as you're praying, sit, pray. And repent of any times that you may have deserted your relationship with Jesus, maybe even recently, putting your eyes on something else more appealing supposedly to your soul than Jesus. And then thank Jesus for having given himself up for you. Jesus, I pray that that the person who may have rejected your message would receive that message today. And that even right now, as we're praying, they would feel your love, feel your grace being poured out on them, saying, hey, listen, it's okay. It's okay. Because I've paid the penalty for that sin, and you are now forgiven because of your belief in me. Oh Jesus, would they feel that today? And would they share that message with with somebody they came with or somebody else? And I pray that the Christian who's been beating themselves up maybe over the past few hours or few days or few weeks or few months or few years, that today would be awakening in their heart, in their soul and just a reminder that that you're here, that you're there, that you love them, that you paid the price for that sin of desertion. and That you're wanting to give them a fresh start today to continually walk in joy in relationship with you. Jesus, we pray as we celebrate communion that we would receive that gospel message in here today and rejoice on the night that that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread that was at the table, he blessed it, he gave thanks for it. And then he broke it and he said, this bread is a symbol of my body, which is to be broken for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And as often as you eat of it, do so in remembrance of me, in remembrance of who I am and what I've done for you on the cross, in remembrance that I gave myself up for you. And then when supper was ended, he took the cup, he blessed it, he gave thanks for it. And he said, this cup is a symbol of my blood, which is to be shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me, of who I am, what I did for you on the cross, in remembrance that I gave myself up for you. City Awakening, let's eat, let's drink, and then let's stand and celebrate Jesus and the great eternal freedom he has given us because he's given his life up for us. Let's eat, let's drink, and then let's celebrate Jesus.